Hello, welcome to Don't Call Me Exotic. I'm O-N-E-O. I'm a DJ, broadcaster, and promoter. This is the podcast where I invite people in the creative field to come talk to me about diversity, culture, personal experiences of racism both in life and in their careers. These episodes were made in collaboration with Seoul Community Radio, which is a live stream studio and community space based in Itaewon. These are the first episodes that are available to watch in full on their YouTube channel at Seoul Community Radio. Please show us some love. And with that, I'd like to welcome my next guest, artist and DJ, Netgala. Welcome to another episode of Don't Call Me Exotic in collaboration with Seoul Community Radio. We are recording this in the HQ of SCR in Seoul. Hi, Nekala. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Cold. Cold. You're yes. drinking an iced coffee. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Yeah, it's... What does yeah, that mean? Um, if you die of cold, you still drink iced coffee. <laughs> so this is something that I've really understood now about korean people they love iced drinks mm. iced coffee mm. just i'm sat here with a hot hot coffee because it's <laughs> freezing outside but you have a cold coffee yeah um <laughs> i just recently traveled to new york and i was worried that they don't have ice americano because it's not really i figured that it's not really a thing out there but yeah people still do drink ice americano it seems <laughs> So, what were you in New York for? Uh, just work. Oh, nice. Mm. Could you kind of explain who you are and what you do? My name is Nekala, and I am a musician, electronic musician, slash producer, slash DJ, slash music promoter, slash something. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. How long have you been working in the music industry? Uh, I started working in the music industry since like 2015. And started making music, releasing music from 2019. So, yeah, it's been quite some time. Um, COVID kind of made me forget, like, made me forgot where, like, when I started or, like, yeah, how I started. But, yeah. All the years kind of blend into... <laughs> yeah, kind of. What did you do during the COVID time? Were you making music? Honestly... Not as much as I used to. Kind of started discovering more about how to uh, appreciate myself. And like, you know, like everybody was on to this like self-love journey. Mm. I was on that Benga bus as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Discover a lot of like my habits that I forgot. Or like just had to take a rest for a while. Because I wasn't in a like condition where I could like discover my hobbies like for instance like games playing games like i've been a fan of like games since i was like really young but because i was living with my parents at the time before um couldn't do much games now have a a whole console in my house a whole like big tv can i swear yeah i almost swear okay swear. okay nice i have a big <laughs> fucking tv playstation and a Nintendo living living the touchy dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think the years during COVID has changed kind of like maybe how you approach music now? I think, yeah. Because I guess I now have more, um, put more priority into how to do music and like a, 
longevity sense, like how to do music, like sustain myself. I think that also aligns with like self love. Like you cannot like burn yourself into doing what you do right now. Like you really want, if you really love what you're doing, like you have to kind of think about how to do this in a longer like period of time. So yeah, uh, I'm thinking more about like how to do this for like the next forty years. How is that different from like how you were working before? So were you just like, oh yeah, overworking? Definitely. Yeah, I was like overworking in 2019, <laughs> and then like somehow kind of, I I tend to not sound, I tend to try and not sound like I appreciate COVID, but like COVID really made me kind of stop physically. It was like unavoidably like I had to stop, but kind of made me look back on like what I missed and like what I have to do in terms of being like healthy and yeah for the UK listeners Korea never really had like a full lockdown but the clubs were closed Mm -hmm. and that and that's recently opened up fully right is that why everyone's crazy oh yeah Um, is that why yeah that's that's totally why because i'm so tired (laughs) everyone goes out every night of the week and it's not just like a couple of drinks and it's not just like we'll be out until two Mm. it's like they will go out and then they'll go out after and then eat and then go out and then do karaoke Mm -hmm. and then they do that seven days a week Mm. yeah like a lot of my (laughs) friends who i recently met outside of korea were really surprised that I have like a couple of gigs every weekend and they're like oh you're playing every week and I say well this is like the new norm it's like you was know, it like this people before are COVID? not really I mean there is now a thing called like club hopping people are not really used to like hop around clubs as much as I do now I don't know how it actually started but I guess there are like multiple reasons why but also, like, one of the reasons, I guess, is because, like, a lot of the club scenes have shifted a lot after COVID. For instance, like, Gangnam is not Gangnam anymore. Hongdae is not Hongdae anymore. But Itaewon kind of is now, like, a mix of everything. So people, I guess, now feel more comfortable, like, coming to Itaewon and, like, just being stuck there till, like, 6 a.m., catch the first train, go back home. When you yeah. say that these areas are not what they used to be, what do you mean by that? I mean, Gangnam had the Gangnam Club incidents with drugging women and like sexual assault cases. And I guess clubbing in Gangnam, the whole image of clubbing in Gangnam is now more like explicit. Not explicit, but like kind of like tabooed. In Korea, for a lot of people, and Hongdae. I mean, this is just my perspective, but I guess Hongdae, like when people go out clubbing in Hongdae, it feels like they're attracting more like a younger audience. But Itaewon is based on a more wider range of audiences compared to like Gangnam or Hongdae, because Hongdae, or um, I guess like Itaewon has a more diverse and broader um, range of music and crowd attractions, I guess. So you promote, you help promote a party as well. Yeah. And it's called Shade, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, Can you tell me a bit about your party? So actually, I'm 
more like one of the promoters in Shade. We have right now we have four members at Shade. It's founded by a DJ called Lindsay. Lindsay from South Africa. He started this party called Vogue back in 2014. And Shade started as a rebrand of Vogue in 2016. And we've been doing this for six years. Wow. Yeah. I I joined Shade around like 2017. Been doing this for almost six years as well. How has that affected kind of your nightlife and... Oh, uh like insanely changed my life actually I, I actually wasn't a dj before i was more doing like party promotions and concerts and artists like tour management for artists and then i took some months off went to europe and just went traveling came back to seoul uh, end of 2016 and Lindsay head of uh, founder of Shade Soul like asked me to join Shade Soul as a promoter because he knew that I was doing like promotional work and I somehow just randomly asked him like oh can I DJ at your party <laughs> and it also, always like, starts was, like that I yeah, feel like um, I mean everybody kind of saw me going here and there like I was a party animal for like two years before <laughs> and everybody thought I was a DJ and everybody who thought I was a DJ asked me like why don't you DJ if you're like going out this much yeah you might as well make some money yeah. while you're there mm -hmm. yeah that sweet fee every time you like DJ yeah. after like oh here's your fee like that that was like a whole charm yeah. I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding but um yeah uh, so as soon as I started Shade, also kicked out my DJ career back in 2016. I mean, it still is, but starting your DJ career at Cake Shop is kind of a big deal for like a lot of the DJs, I guess. It still is, but like when I started DJing, Cake Shop was the thing. It still is. So yeah, I was like the Nakasan DJ, like the we we call like the parachute. Oh. <laughs> um, so like if you just like you have to like climb up and build yourself up to like join Samsung or yeah. like a Hyundai. But if you're you know if you're like an executive son or that happened to me because yeah. yeah I was the the main party promoter's right. friend who yeah. joined the party. So I parachuted my way into <laughs> K Shop's DJ booth and started playing built my way up and started doing a lot of more stuff. I know that Shade is Shade Soul is really famous here, but for people like for my UK listeners and stuff and worldwide, um, can you kind of explain what the party is? Shade Soul is a LGBTQIA plus collective based in Seoul. We are doing parties, events to help promote different aspects of what queer culture is in not just Seoul, but in terms of more like a wider perspective, as well as incorporating our own sense of what is queer into these events and parties and try and uh, promote a lot of local individuals and queer collectives and queer um, creatives that we feel 
and attached to and we admire. So we um, do a lot of uh, international bookings as well as collaborations with different brands or, mm, yeah. Do you think being part of that community and having that alongside you has changed kind of how you approach like creating your own music? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Almost like it's it's almost like because sometimes you get too absorbed with the Western norm of what queerness is or gets lost in the fact that you're actually just, you know, only this side of being queer and like, you know, what what does even queer being mean in this modern society when you only know about RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. or, you know, like rainbow shorts. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of made me, um, I guess, like counteract to some of these things. I, I, I mean, I obviously love Drag Race. I love like the gayness of the Western, like, gay culture and like the western queer culture i almost like adore and i still love but also always it kind of made me always um be aware of w- what we are mixing and what we actually have to be aware of which is we we grew up in the society where like queerness is not really a thing or it's still very taboo in the mainstream society so um, and also, like, we cannot really adapt the same strategy or, like, the same ideas into our culture or our narratives. So we have to kind of always discover new things that we can relate to or... So discovering your own identity mm-hmm. within the restrictions that you feel. Yeah, and also, um, what situations are we on? We're we're not going to talk about, like, Stonewall here. We're not going to talk about Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. You know? We're going to talk about our past president that, like, he openly discussed about he the fact that he disagrees with gay marriage or the current mayor being opposing to and try to ban the queer parade. That's our narrative. That's our situation. Gender politics is not the same or like quite different from what the Western studies have been like discovering. So it's, you know, I'm trying to more learn about these things and also like trying to merge that into our culture, like a gay adjacent, like a gay culture adjacent, I guess, like pop culture, like yeah. pop culture in Korea or yeah. literacy, um, like modern media, mainstream media. Trying to find like that that gay pick, you know. <laughs> Where are you in that journey? I'm always still like discovering, trying trying to learn more about how to like open my expressions about like openly discuss it in my like my works. More being more vocal, being more active in my works as well. Yeah. So that's your expression. Mm-hmm. I heard that you recently played in Uganda. I was playing at this festival called Nige Nige. And I'm also working with their label called Nige Nige Tapes slash Hakuna Kulala. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm working with this Congolese artist who is uh, trans, and we're building a album together. Wow. This is um, <laughs> actually this is this has not been like discussed openly, but well, there we go. <laughs> Here's my exclusive. Yes. <laughs> what was that experience like playing in a festival there? Being in Uganda was a whole another experience because it really opened up. Of my uh, perspective of like how the global north and the global south is divided and like, well, actually not divided. Like the global north kind of separated the global south, and um, the limited expression and like the limited environments of like Uganda, gender expression is not really a thing. Being trans, being queer, in somewhere that I've never been to. Well, there, there's like, there's been a like a whirlstorm of like things that I experienced, and like I, I tried to like write it in text, and like it resulted in like a twelve-page journal or something. About your time there? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, actually, this was my second time. Okay. So the, like the first time was in 2021, October to December. Was in a studio session, and um, yeah, it it really changed my whole perspective of being queer and living in Korea as well. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about the differences? What kind of like? Differences? I mean, how it changed your perspective? Oh, um, the fact that Koreans are like <laughs> like white Asians. <laughs> oh my god. It is, is that the, what they it say? Is the, no, 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 no. But like, it is the brutal truth, you know. Like, uh, seeing like, oh, this is kind of a sensitive subject. But like, I've seen so many like Chinese companies trying to like take over Uganda, and I was like, oh my god, this is like the new um, taking over the country, like, like colonizing. Yeah, like the new colonization and stuff. And like, it totally like I was like I, I was like in shock. That's that was like. One of the things that I like discovered while I was in Uganda, the whole queer culture there, or like being queer in Uganda, is like kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I recently just has been talking about this with my Ugandan friend, and like they really want to like kind of just leave Uganda because like being queer there is like so miserable. If you like. If you know what's happening there, up there, it's pretty devastating um, because, like, the whole country and the whole like Ugandan culture kind of stereotypically puts you in a box, much stricter than like here or like somewhere else. Personal expression is not really a thing. Even like when I was at the festival with my friend, my friend. Her name is like Tayo, authentically plastic. She's also an amazing producer from Uganda. Definitely should check it out. She just released her album like mm -hmm. <laughs> last month and my birthday. Like, oh. but um, I met her. I don't know why I said it, but anyways, uh, when I when I met her in this festival, we were kind of like walking around. I wasn't really like femme, quote unquote, presenting. She was. She's always kind of femme. Dress like kind of quote unquote femme. I don't like that word, but I've been seeing a lot of men like talking about our 
like appearances, even though I didn't speak their language. And my friend had to like tell me what they were saying. Oh no. Um, and then like these men, even though they like we were at this festival, they were talking about how they want to like beat us or like oh um God. how they were like kind of calling us like you know, like, yeah. you should go to hell, or... I mean, honestly, like, for her, she hears it all the time, kind of, so it was like, okay, whatever. But I was, like, so in shock. And, yeah, and then, like, this one one woman was, like, like asking me if I was, like, a guy or a girl, <laughs> which oh is, like, kind of funny. But also, like, I kind of understand, like, you you don't... You shouldn't put the same standard right. as you know you would experience here or like you know in like Europe or like America it's such a different like environment yeah if you are limited in that environment and you would have some different ideas about what queer is then you know it's pretty harsh it's a harsh um reality i really hear you on what you mean by you can't put the standards of what you're used to mm-hmm. On pe- like when you're, I guess, like visiting another culture, mm-hmm. because I mean, there's privileges that I'm understanding now. Even coming from the UK, growing up in Canada, mm-hmm. where you know same-sex marriage is recognized, and here it's not. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's even those things that, you know, it's like my day-to-day, and I'm not even mm-hmm. queer. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, we're all trying to work towards the same thing. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I was kind of giving doubts about. Why should we follow, like, the Western standard of what what queer is or what? Like, why is that the benchmark? Yeah, why is that the benchmark? But also, kind of starting to realize that some parts are actually, like, you know, it's not bad, actually. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I don't, like, 100% agree on, like, what they're saying or, like, whatever God knows. Sometimes it's really good to just shove it in their face and say, like, this is the thing you should at least like you know like read about it and probably adapt to your culture or your senses maybe it's actually not bad yeah Mm. when were you working on your because you just released your ep your second ep Mm. um what was that were were you working on that in uganda or yes and no actually there is a album coming out hopefully next year with this artist from congo and that's going to be hopefully later later next year. And uh, I have another EP hopefully also coming out early next year. So there's going to be like EP two. EP and album. Yeah, two <laughs> releases next year. Well, the one you released this year, Shimpa. Last year. Last year. Yeah. What does that mean? Shimpa, Shimpa. Is, is, a, is a term from uh, like the 20th century. It's a form of like modern theater which was developed around, like, early 20th century, um, influenced by, like, Japanese theater and, like, Korean dramas. It kind of got... The term kind of changed into calling something that is, uh, like, very emotional or, like, over-exaggerating, like, emotes, uh, emotions. Now, you would call something, like, if it's like over exaggerating or like, like something dramatic, dramatic yeah. you would call that like, oh, that's so shimpa. But <laughs> so why is your why did you decide to name your EP? 
I got really interested in Shimpa when I was in like when I was doing like my graduate project, like graduation project. I just got really fascinated by something that's totally forgotten, and like people are now misunderstanding this concept and tr- like just overusing, throwing them everywhere everywhere around. That was like the perfect timing when Korean cinema and like Korean culture got like super. Noticed by like that's I I think that's like the perfect term to say it like because it's been around like Forever. for quite yeah, some yeah, time yeah. and now people just notice that like oh it actually exists yeah and well, it's now, like a thing on Netflix now mm. like Korean yeah like K drama drama is the genre now. yeah so like yeah and like that was like around like the perfect timing when it got noticed by the upper north people <laughs> and um I just got really fascinated by. This concept, like I love emotional like riffs with like synthesizers and the emotional structures of a song. I really just hated people like overusing that term over the lost history of what actually shimpa is, and it was really fascinating because uh, there's not many like actually no um, no actual documents about where actually shimpa started and like where it ended. So people never really deeply cared about or like deeply studied about Chimpa as much as they should have. Also, it's one of the political reasons because um, it got influenced by Japanese theater, and around the time, like after, uh, like the Japanese colonization, after uh, the war, people and the government tried to like erase all the like Japanese. Yeah. Themes in Korean culture, but also like Shimpa was very like very Korean, even though it kind of started off as a Japanese theater adaptation of of it. But it kind of resulted in borrowing a lot of like Korean imagery, Korean narratives into like Shimpa. So like that's one of the things that got me really fascinated about. So I tried to develop as something. It was really hard to like kind of adapt it into something more abstract. I guess it's yeah. it's a very visual subject, but like yeah, adapting into something more like sonic. Yeah, sonically was super hard, and I originally kind of wanted to do a whole album about it, but ended up doing just an EP. So had to like scramble everything into like five songs. It was fun. Actually, the next EP is gonna be more of a uh, extension of what I wanted to do in like Shimpa. That's what I'm aiming for right now. Wow, an EP and an album next year—that's yeah, a lot of. So it's very like <laughs> so it's very next year's releases are gonna be like super like gay, super <laughs> queer. I guess I hope because you know like you're basically like I was in a room with like. Another queer creative when I was working on that album, like the collaborative album. So if you put like two queers in one room, if it's straight, then it's you have a problem with like, you know, <laughs> <Right>. yourself, <laughs> right? Because mm. like uh, this this person that I worked with, she she loves being gay, like she loves being queer, she loves Beyonce. That's just you know. What I'm gonna say, yeah, it uh, it borrows a lot of like pop culture references as well, um, like Blackpink, Beyonce, 
etc. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm still. It's a, it's a it's a fun project. And yeah. that's that's from the album that yeah. you're working on. Mm-hmm. You were saying before that you love like the emotional. Like I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was like the emotional like rips, like of, synthesizers, yeah. and so is that what kind of drew you to electronic music? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there's like multiple kind of inspirations I got from like electronic music, but one of the things were synthesizers. Always, I think it's um, like the melodic structures of a song that really got me into like electronic music. It's like one of the genres uh, where it kind of freely borrows other genres, like melodic structures into a genre, and like you can still call it electronic music. So like you can borrow from like jazz, trance. How like trance music brought some other genre. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I not remember this? Oh my god, I'm uh, I'm still kind of oh, maybe I'm too high on uh, caffeine. <laughs> Uh, but I find like electronic music super open as a genre like you said and just even like DJing Mm -hmm. out I feel like so much more inspired about Mm -hmm. finding new music about Mm -hmm. like I feel like the audience is really receptive to like hearing new things and I'm like really predominantly like drawn to that at the moment so yeah I I know what you're getting at yeah I I don't have to worry about like the genre police exactly (laughs) no that's (laughs) what I mean you're not playing rock yeah like um this is electronic music yeah (laughs) I'll be like I'm playing like electro clash or some post-punk inspired electronic music into like a rock audience and they'll be like this is not rock and I'll say well this is rock inspired (laughs) so they'll say oh okay okay (laughs) That, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Or like house music came from like disco. Disco music came from like, you know, house bands and stuff. Funk. Yeah. Yeah. It all just kind of, it's almost like a root vegetable. <laughs> so you like pluck it and like. You see all the roots. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And also I'm I'm such a nerd. So even though I, I didn't remember what trans came from, uh, uh, there's like this one word that it's like kind of blurry in my head. And that's like where the synths of trance came from. I'll but put it in the description of okay. the podcast because it's going to bother me as well. Okay, I'm going to ask okay, you later. Okay. Oh, no, I'm going to Google it right now, actually. But um, yeah, I'm such a like genre nerd and I- I'm a nerd in general. So me like discovering, I guess like that's one of the reasons I got like really drawn into electronic music was that the whole discovery of like what genre is this or like what genre am i listening to and then like discovering that this is actually like from another genre and then this genre was from another genre and like it traces back to like a couple years ago or like you know like 30 40 years ago so interesting for me and like it made me more drawn into like and then like try to learn more about what happened and like what the actual fuck is going on with this like whole like genre shifting and like yeah, what happened in the eighties in like Chicago? Yeah, what happened yeah. in like so what happened in UK in the nineties when um, you know, this one DJ brought all yeah. the like vinyls from the from America and like started playing like fast BPMs and like people go, went crazy. Mm. It's such a reflection on like the social environment as well, and like if people are producing or playing music, that's like almost like in conflict with what's, what's happening. And then new age, new age. There okay, we there we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <sighs> Do you feel okay Ooh. now? <laughs> yes. 
Um, but yeah, that's yeah, I love electronic music as mm -hmm. well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see all your listen to all your new music coming out next year. There's a lot to come. Yes. Oh my god, yes. You have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Nekala and Soul Community Radio. This is the last episode of the season in collaboration with Soul Community Radio and I really hope you enjoyed these episodes. I really loved making them in South Korea. Please also make sure you subscribe, follow and rate the show to keep posted on new episodes, which will be coming very soon. You can also get in touch with me at Don't Call Me Exotic Pod and at O-N-E-O on Instagram and TikTok. You can also send me an email at don'tcallmeexoticpod at gmail.com. Oh, and make sure you don't call people exotic. Bye.